Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast coming to you live from New York. New York, your, your. This is one of these uh, episodes where I made it over to New York. We're sitting in uh, Nicholas's whiskey room right now. We sure are. Which, uh, yeah, is nice. And, uh, yeah, we, while we were over here, we, we got a couple of guests on. We thought we'd take advantage of us being in the same room together. So we got my good friend, Mr. Daval Gandhi, on, who some of you may have heard of. Uh, really good chat, chatting with him. You had fun with him, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's really insightful, all the stuff that he, he does. Like, I think he's really, he doesn't seem to care. He's not trying to build like a brand in the way that other people think about brand building. He's trying to do something that's really magnificently memorable and beautiful and specific to whoever his customers happen to be, which is really interesting. That doesn't really come across like when we're chatting about it, but like he's really making one-offs almost on commission isn't he yeah i mean and that's the thing about deval and you guys will will hear this as we get into the interview he gets pretty deep yeah he does and not just with whiskey but just everything around it which is great to see you know he's doing that with his with his new company yeah here's deval it's a great interview we hope you love it so good to have you on the show deval thanks for coming on man no thank you for having me good to see you both yeah, Deval, great to meet you. I can't believe we were just saying before we started to roll that for all the circles that we've both wor- worked in, in fact, we've almost crossed, crossed paths but never actually met. And uh, I, I was just reading your story and your history behind, you know, your, your journey into the whiskey business is really interesting. And I'd love it if you could share that with, with our listeners. Absolutely. So, you know, I started my career, unlike... Uh, you know, most people, uh, I had a completely different background. Uh, I was in America, in North Carolina, and I was in uh, management consulting. Uh, I graduated in corporate finance and economics, so was very, very far away from the world of whiskey, as you can imagine. And then, uh, but I always enjoyed uh, drinking whiskey, and it was at uh, uh, Ernst Young, uh, one of our uh, of my managers he used to love whiskey so he used to always whenever we were out for client meetings or uh, traveling always try different whiskeys with him and i think we were at kentucky uh, for a client engagement and we decided to go and tour all the bourbon distilleries out there i think at that time there were around 10 or 11 that we did in uh, a span of three days and it was at Maker's Mark that I decided that this is what I want to do with my life. I don't want to sit in a boardroom uh, working on Excel spreadsheets. I want to make whiskey, uh, do something with my hand and something with my mind. Yep. So uh, I did the next best thing. Took my wife out for a nice dinner, uh, found the best restaurant I could. Uh, and I said, uh, I'm going to quit everything uh, and we are going to move to Scotland. <laughs> I want to learn how to make whiskey. So after she filed for divorce, what did you do then? <laughs> she almost fell off the chair. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, very, very supportive. And uh, we decided to do that. So I remember vividly, uh, you know, it was a continental flight directly from Charlotte, North Carolina to Edinburgh. Uh, and here I come. And 
I went uh, straight to Head It What, of course. Uh, I applied for Head It What and graduated with a master's degree in brewing and distilling. Uh, and then I, I found out very hard way that uh, getting into blending or becoming a blender was not as easy as I thought. Uh, you know, uh, there are not many <laughs> roles in blending. But I was uh, pretty determined to uh, stick around. So I started working uh, with a company called Scottish in Newcastle uh, back as a technical brewer. Then it was taken over by Heineken uh, and, you know, worked as a brewer there and in various technical roles until one fine day, um, you know, there were opportunities in whiskey blending and there were two companies that uh, I went through the whole interview process. I got the offer and one of them was McCullen. So joined uh, uh, Easter Elke's house, uh, McCullen as the whiskey maker. Uh, and that, that is where this was 2014. Wow. Uh, so uh, late 2013, early 14. Yep. And uh, this is where the fascination with Sherry Cask began. For me, this is uh, that was one of my a trip to Hereth completely changed uh, my mind. And there were two uh, quite distinctive moments. One was, uh, you know, going to Hereth for the first time, understanding about the sherry complexity, uh, the variety of sherry uh, casks available. Yep. And the other was I happened to have a chance of tasting a very old Macallan, uh, 1927 at that time. It was uh, completely changed my perspective on what a sherry cask whiskey could be. You know, it was fragrant and elegant, uh, even despite the age. Yep. It was very different than what we, uh, you know, expect all the sherry casks to be right now. And I started uh, doing my research on sherry. And then I was uh, approached by a company called Lakes Distillery in uh, 2016 when uh, by then their ex-chairman, Dr. Alan Rutherford. Uh, so he called me and he said, uh, why don't you come meet us for a coffee? Long story short, uh, on probably in two days, I had a, a call and a job offer uh, to come and uh, take control of everything to do about whiskey at Lakes. So I uh, decided to move there. Uh, it was, I think, an offer that was amazing. It was carte blanche. I could go in and completely do whatever I needed to do to establish lakes. And I think that was fascinating because there were a couple of uh, ideas about maturation, about blending that I wanted to put into practice, how I uh, interpreted a, a sherry cask whiskey to be, and that uh, resulted in the Whiskey Maker Reserve series uh, and also the Whiskey Maker edition. So that's how uh, my journey uh, started in 2021, uh, you know, we established lakes. Uh, there are two uh, platforms, and it was uh, in a great position. Uh, you know, I made whiskies that it would allow it to uh, continue, and then I wanted to do my own thing. The reason uh, I, you know, I came to uh, Scotland in the first place. I'm a guy who loves to dip my hands in various things. I, you know, I like creative challenges. And that's the reason I decided to uh, set up my own studio. So in 2021, I set up Studio Double Gandhi. And the idea is to work into a lot of technical maturation, stock transformation works, doing quite strategic work that is not 
completely, uh, some, some, some projects can be very impactful right now and some are very, very long. Some of the work that I'm doing, you know, uh, it will impact in the next 10 years. So, you know, how, how the casks are going to work, uh, you know, when the shortage of wood. And then there was also this artistic side that uh, I wanted to explore more, explore how can we take the world we love uh, about whiskey and into an artistic realm. You know, how can I uh, find convergence between philosophy, art, and whiskey? And uh, that's when I decided to uh, set up uh, this unique space called Cando Blanc. And Cando Blanc is about duality uh, in everything. You know, it's about yeah. duality in whiskey, du duality in philosophy, duality in art. So that's what I started in 20, uh, 2022. So, yeah, so like, I've been working it, on that project. It's so good to see that. But before we get into that, Daval, I want to rewind a little bit. Because mm -hmm. where we first met was when you were the Lakes Distillery. I don't know if you yeah. remember that. I came down for lunch. We were sitting having lunch. Probably a free lunch. He was asking oh, for yeah. a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, you came out, you met us, and yes. there was going to be a five-minute chat, which turned into us staying there for about an hour, you taking us around the distillery, taking us into your blending lab up there, which was incredible. So, you know, I want to, I, I really want to get into everything that you're doing right now, but if we rewind to the, when you're looking after the lakes, what was the kind of big learnings that you got from that? Because I remember you were talking to me about doing some really sort of progressive stuff there. You're working mm -hmm. with different yeast strains. Um, I love the, the uh, now remind me what you called it again, but it was when you were bringing the ABV down in the cask, you do it very slowly. And your analogy mm -hmm. slow was- Slow reduction. Yes. Slow reduction, yeah, yeah, yeah. That analogy you had, which was, you know, imagine being woken up by- someone throwing a bucket of water over you. That's exactly what happens when you reduce really quickly, whereas you mm -hmm. went down this process. So let's chat about some of those before we get in, onto your, your your stuff, if you don't mind. So what you know, what did you what did you do when you were at the lakes? What did you learn there? See, I think uh, the lakes was my area where I could put into practice things that I have been thinking about, things I've been yeah. working on. And this this process was not something that started when I was at Lakes. You know, like everything, things start. Uh, the idea, the spark happens long time before you actually put it into practice. And it was actually at McCullen when I was studying and, and working there, and that's when I started thinking about okay, how can we approach things very differently? You know, usually the way we see about uh, go about a whiskey process. We start with, you know, uh, a malted barley uh, coming through, and then we talk about fermentation. We talk about, uh, you know, distillation cut points, and then we find out, okay, what is the wood policy or the cast policy of a space, and then we try to play around with different oaks. What I wanted to do uh, before I went to Lakes, and I had this period of thinking, I wanted to turn it around. Okay, why go opposite? Uh, let's look at it from the other side. I wanted to create a very specific type of whiskey profile, uh, a specific type of whiskey character. And then, okay, what do I require for that whiskey character? And I knew from my maturation work at these are the types, these are the oaks, these are the wines that I require to create those characters. And then I designed the new make spirit 
based on what my requirements for the cask are, because uh, new mix spirit and having the right congeners will allow me to create those flavors in the long run. So then I designed the new mix spirit to fit my cask profile, which was designed to fit the final outcome that I wanted. And that's how I created the new mix spirit and the cut points, the fermentation, the yeast that I use, everything was designed for the final stage of maturation. So think about this. Uh, you know, when I, uh, you know, set up all the processes at Lakes, it was as if a blender coming in and designing a distillery as a blender, not as a distiller. So that was, I think, my biggest learning. And I, for me, I think it worked. It helped me achieve the vision that I had. It uh, helped me achieve the goal that I had. Now, am I saying that's the best way to do it or, uh, you know, the other way is the better process? No, I think it's all up to uh, personal interpretation, but what I wanted to create, that worked for me. So it was looking at the whole whiskey process from a holistic perspective. So looking at it, not like, okay, I have this spirit, now let me find cast that will work with it. No, this is the spirit I want. These are the casts that are going to give me the spirit. This is the new make that I want for that cask. Mm -hmm. And these are the yeast and the barley that I need to focus on the cask. Now, one of the things uh, that I learned also uh, is that you don't have to optimize or over-optimize every single part of the process, right? And this is something because my love for my, love for my cars and motorcycles, uh, you know, something very simple. If you look at great American cars, right? Um, they can be heavy, but they have big V8 engines, V12 engines, classic American cars, right? Beautiful, they can go fast, uh, you know, heavy engines. Then you have on the other side of the spectrum, you have Japanese cars, right? Quite lighter, aluminum bodies, smaller engines, but they can also go on track very nicely and you can have fun with them. And then you can have something European cars, which uses a turbocharger or a supercharger. You are meeting those objectives, but you're using different ways to achieve that uh, objective. And that's the same concept that I applied to making whiskey. And I only focus on things that I wanted to focus. So there was no need for us to worry about malted barley or whether, you know, I wanted a consistent barley so I can create a consistent new make spirit. For me, the distillation process had to be super consistent because all the magic I wanted to create, I could create that through cask and blending. I didn't need to worry about that. I think so again, I think it's yeah. really unique, isn't it, Deval? Because most master blenders don't get to do that. Most master blenders are coming into a space that already exists. Someone's, mm -hmm. you know, for 150 years, someone has decided what the spirit was going to taste like and they've not changed it. So mm -hmm. they're then having to manipulate that spirit using wood to try to get to the flavor that they want to rather than design the spirit, which is going to produce the flavors using the oak that you have predetermined is going to get you to the final outcome. So from your standpoint, you really got to see it from soup to nuts. You got to see it right the way through and design almost like with as much expert knowledge as, as we now have in that craft of what the interaction between spirit and wood is going to do, you got to say, well, if I want to get to this flavor, this is how I need to do it using starting with the grain, the yeast, the distillation, right through to the maturation, where most master blenders don't get that input. They walk into the space. Here's what's sitting in wood. 
good luck blending it. Here's the flavor we're looking for. Absolutely. And I think I, I would say I was fortunate uh, to be in that position, but I think that was the very uh, thing that attracted me to Lakes. It was this opportunity to completely test my ideas or test what I believed in to create a uh, style. And then I think, Mitch, the second point was understanding uh, what is a contemporary flavor profile look like, right? Now we, uh, you know, we're trying to create a sherry-led single malt, but how does the contemporary flavor look like? Does it have to be dry? Does it have to be spicy? Can it be a little bit on the sweeter side? Can it be uh, have more complexity? So that was, uh, you know, something that I tested through various additions, various things. And, you know, it's a learning process. Mm. Uh, I'm still learning. Uh, I think I, at least uh, after spending so much time at McCullen and Lakes, I'm still finding out how much things I don't know, how many things I don't know. So On that note about you still learning, obviously behind Mitch and I, there's a wall filled with whiskey. Behind you, there is a room filled with books. Can you explain to Mitch what a book is? <laughs> Have you seen one of these, mate? Have you ever just ones with pictures, man? Yeah, okay. that's the ones I so, like. Yeah. Are those the same for you? I mean, I actually can see some that I've got here on my bookshelf next to me as well. We have different wine books and things like that as well. Is is mm. it? Are you just uh, you know, uh, do you just geek out on that side of, of flavor and and how flavors are created and that's you know whether it's food or whether it's wine or whether it's whiskey? Yeah. I think I love books and I love whiskey. And I think, let me let me say to the listeners who can't see the other side of the room and my living room, I have probably 10 times more whiskey in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm a whiskey geek first and a whiskey blender second. I think that's absolutely how I approach my work. Uh, with the books, uh, I love reading, but uh, something people who know me, uh, that I dip in and out of different things. You know, I'm reading two or three different books at the same time, but it's not about whiskey. I read philosophy, Asian philosophy. I'm into poetry. I'm, I'm re reading technical literature about whiskey or winemaking. And I think that's the beauty. And that's how it goes back to Cando Blanc as well. Because uh, even if you look at lakes or Cando Blanc, what I've done is, uh, Mitch, you were mentioning about the slow reduction process, right? There is that, uh, there is the Elevage technique uh, from cognac makers that I sort of uh, practice uh, with different, uh, different areas that I work right now. And the reason for that is you have to have space uh, and time and the opportunity to let creative influences come in from different areas, okay? That's the, my style. If you ask me, okay, the, what's your house style? My style is that I don't have a style. Uh, because it allows me to play and tap into different ideas. Sometimes I'm, I'm, if you look at my books here, you know, some are psychology, some are branding, some are about uh, Asian philosophy, but everything gives you some kind of a different perspective of looking at things. And that's probably what I also applied at Lakes, mm. um, you know, through winemaking, or if I'll be traveling somewhere and I saw something in uh, making how they make uh, you know, earthen, earthenware using different clay and each clay they use because they had a different flavor and texture for the water coming out. So, you know, that allowed me to also trial different things in yeast and trying to look at how the fermentation process works with different containers. So again, it's a, it's a never ending thing, you know, you constantly find new things. Which is great to see. And, you know, when, as soon as you released 
Candle Blanc, I could see that with everything that, that you put out with regards to, to what's happening here. So for people that are listening that might not have seen Candle Blanc, can you explain the name, the whole concept behind it? Because it's it's quite a detailed uh, description when I was reading it. Duval, I was pretty impressed, actually. There's a lot of big words in there that I didn't understand as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Duval, if you've got finger puppets yeah. that you want to use finger to help puppet, Mitch yeah. understand, that pick, also goes a long way. pictures, you know, like <laughs> matchstick men, preferably. That would just, be a, good. just a sock puppet, something <laughs> like that. You can pay more attention. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, Mitch, you, you and I have shared, uh, you know, many dinners and drinks together. And, you know, I'm I'm quite philosophical. I love philosophy and especially I dip into a uh, lot of Asian philosophy. Yeah. And Kando Blanc, okay, let's talk about that. It's, it's, it exists in a very unique space. Um, and, and it's a convergence of art, philosophy, and whiskey. Those three things kind of coming together to create a space where you can create amazing whiskies, you can create amazing objects that are much more deeper than just liquid or just packaging or just a bottle. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether it's you take whiskey or any object, you know, the meaning changes over time. You know, the whether you have a small pen or you have a whiskey, you know, the whiskey that I loved probably 10 years ago, and if I try those whiskeys again, I have a different meaning, a different interpretation of those flavors, those characters. Same thing happens with books, same thing happens with objects. So my idea was to create this space where I can bring art and creative influences from around the world into our space of whiskey that we all love. And that's what Cando Blanc is all about. Now, I'll tell you about the word Kando and Blanc, right? So one, one word, uh, if you can take away from today, is duality. So Kando Blanc, everything about Kando Blanc is about duality. When two or more things, ideas, objects, interpretations come together to create something that is bigger than the sum of its parts, and that is the very essence of Kando Blanc, duality. Now, if you look at the word Kando and Blanc, so kando is a Japanese word. So whenever we see something of uh, immense beauty or something that is beautifully designed and it stirs your heart, that stirring of emotion, that emotion that stirs your heart, that feeling is called kando in Japanese. There's no literal translation. And blanc is also the French word for white. But in Asian philosophy, white is considered a color of artistic transcendence. So that's why Kando and Blanc. Uh, so mm -hmm. every time you see about Kando Blanc, there'll be two things that are playing together, uh, a convergence, a confluence of those two things. That's why the name Kando and Blanc. Now let's talk about um, let's talk about the object that we created. So for for the first object, Aga, uh, I decided to take inspiration from Italy and Japan. So if you look at the object. Uh, the battuto technique, which is an Italian technique, master craftsman technique, uh, and it takes 20, 30 years to even master that technique to hand blow that glass and then create hand scales that give you the scaled effect on the, on the bottle. And then we have the Japanese-inspired aesthetics. If you look at the whole Agra bottle, it's very Japanese. Uh, the angles, uh, the way it looks, it looks like a samurai 
uh, hat with the clothing, the cloak, uh, a cloak of a Zen monk, um, and uh, there's a kintsugi in it. The reason kintsugi is there because that is the philosophy that we want to celebrate. It's about human imperfections. You know, you start with the whiskey that we all love. Whiskey also has its own imperfections. It is the imperfections through congeners. It's imperfections through the chemical reactions that give it flavor, right? If you were trying to create the most perfect congener-free profile, it would taste like vodka. So we love whiskey because of its congener profiles, because of its imperfections. That is what makes it unique. The same process in the object creation is hand-blown. It's completely hand-blown. There's a, there's a feeling of something made made by hand and that comes through very lively in the Cando Blanc object. Hmm. And just so am I right in saying that Cando Blanc everything's going to be bespoke one-offs? I know this one that you've just released as as we're talking right now that's going to go to one of one uh, the auction for Sotheby's that's coming up in just under a week uh, mm -hmm. and I want to chat to you about that but progressing forward on the bottlings that you're going to do is that are they all going to be one-offs? And can you talk a little bit about the liquid as well that's going to go to the auction bottle? Absolutely. So I think let's talk uh, about the liquid first. Uh, mm. That's going into the Sotheby's and Distillers one-on-one auction, and then we can talk more about what's happening with the Candle Blanc. So liquid is absolutely the 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 notion of duality also exists and transcends through the liquid itself. And liquid is a combination of two single cast whiskies from Speyside and Highland, both distilled in 1979 and bottled in 2023. And I have tried to put together to create this amazing texture, but tropical fruit goodness, I would call it. And one is a, a Speycider in refill bourbon that gives you pineapple, melons, kiwi, some beautiful tropical fruit notes, uh, an elegant, smooth, silky finish. And the other one, uh, which is Highlander, which is quite opposite. Uh, it is big, it has a poise, it has structure, it has a waxy texture to it. And also uh, it gives you, because it's in a refill hogshead, it gives you this gentle spice character uh, that I truly prize. So think about this as a tropical fruit salad with a bit of gentle spice, a little bit of nutmeg, cinnamon, vanilla. So that's how it tastes like. And again, it's, it's there's a reason I wanted to have two polar opposite things playing together to create something beautiful. It's not about just the design, okay? Cando Blanc is not a design agency or someone who designs beautiful bottles, uh, or it's not about just a whiskey uh, independent bottling that just focuses on the liquid. The focus is more holistic. What happens when you look at the end-to-end -end process? Every single thing from the creation of the object to the creation of the liquid to the creation of the concept that flows together. So that is what, uh, you know, Kando Blanc's Aga is. And Aga is very philosophical. It's also named after my son. Aga means mountain um, in Sanskrit language. But philosophically, it's also uh, the place where the spiritual world meets the material world. So earth and sky meet together on a mountain that's uh, philosophical. Well, this is like you've taken what you did at Lakes and juiced it to the nines, where you're now no longer just seeing from distillation to full maturation in the finished liquid. Now you're looking at 
every single element that touches what it is when someone experiences your whiskey, right? So is it, it's that moment of understanding the background and the stories and why you have chosen each of the elements, whether it's the packaging choice, because most whiskey companies don't do that. Do you know, do you know what it is? It's like that scene in the matrix, Duval, where he comes <laughs> with one and he starts to see everything, you know? Uh, are you Neo, Duval? Is that what this is? Are you Neo? Is this, is this us getting an exclusive? Did you take the blue pill? <laughs> one of the things that's very important to me, uh, and it's important to Condo Blanc going forwards, is also the art. You know, and every great art uh, requires a patron. And there are a lot of amazing artists, artisans around the world. And we are losing a lot of craft, uh, craftsmanship, a lot of uh, different traditional ethnic arts because people are no longer interested or people are no longer aware about them. Okay, we are into this fast molded fashion things that we tend to forget. And I think it is our responsibility to promote those art. And I think through Kando Blanc as a platform, what I want to do is work with some of those artists around the world. Uh, and it takes, so for example, let's take Aga, right? To create a hand-blown glass. Everything is hand-blown. There is no mold use in entire Aga process. The, the master glass maker has over 38 years of experience to make that. Now, if I don't promote that, if I don't work with those master craftsmakers, we are not giving the younger generation the opportunity to come into those arts and spend the next decade or two learning the craft. Otherwise, those crafts are going to wither away. They're going to go away. So with Kando Blanc, my, my vision is to work with different artists, different philosophers, makers, artisans around the world and promote those crafts and preserve those crafts in every small way we can do, okay? Uh, so I think that takes you to your question about, is that going to be always one-off? No, I never say, we'll see You know what happens. Sometimes there can be multiple objects, sometimes there can be one, but we are already working on two uh, you know, special order commissions uh, for two of our clients and they're completely very artistic, but very different because yeah. this is about Kando Blanc is about what matters to you. What is your aesthetic language rather than us? Yes. So if you, some people might be interested in, um, you know, Eastern philosophy, some might be interested in South American art. So we will try to interpret those arts and bring it into life through whiskey as well. So five years from now, Deval, what does Kando Blanc look like? Kando Blanc uh, will be still creating uh, unique objects and by that time i think we would have created some kind of impact in the wider community from an artistic perspective we would have helped promote certain arts and crafts and it is my hope and my dream that by promoting those dying crafts maybe if there are one or two uh, young individuals who would be you know, interested in learning more about those art and dedicating their next 10, 20 years to creating those art. I think that would be, I think, considered as my job done from uh, what I wanted to achieve. So I think it's more about impact as well, but it's also about art, right? Art needs to create an emotional impact, okay? Uh, it needs to move you. And any anything that moves you, this is not for everyone, okay? It's, it's you know, 
the, the probably the clients or the patrons of Cando Blanc are people who act on an emotional level. And, you know, for them, art is important as much as whiskey is important. Both go hand in hand. But this is a time where we bring different elements to our world of whiskey. And then if people want to see more of Cando Blanc and find out about it, where can they go? What can they do? I think, uh, first of all, I would highly recommend if if you have not done yet, uh, there is this amazing article written by Dave uh, that was just published two days ago. Uh, Dave Broom? And it's on Dave Broom on Sotheby's. And it tells you about the very essence of Cando Blanc. What is it? Why does it exist? And what is it trying to do? I think please have a look at it. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, Mitch, I'm I'm a very uh, private guy. I don't share too many things. But if you want to know more about Cando Blanc, just uh, Instagram is one place where you can keep an eye out. But, you know, what we are trying to do is have impact from an artistic perspective. So watch this space. There will be more things coming through. Well, Deval, thank you so much for joining us for 30 minutes with. This has been really insightful. I've had a blast meeting you and learning a ton about what you're doing. I think it's really exciting. And I think you're, uh, I think Candle Blank adds a, a huge value to understanding craftsmanship and beauty and art and this, this, uh, the essence of duality. And I think that it's been, it's been great to hear that come, come straight from, from your lips to our listeners' ears. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to catching up soon, mate. We need to go for a beer. And Absolutely. I am also shocked that Mitch has not taken this opportunity to ask for samples yet. So, <laughs> oh, did I not tell you? You sent me some. Oh, that's it. <laughs> the running joke no, here, Deval, is that I don't get to taste anything because all the samples are sent to Mitch in Scotland. <laughs> I'll, I'll say one for you when you come, Nicholas. Wonderful, sir. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for being a guest. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.